the work of that ministry, gospel believers, is to preach the gospel. We preach the gospel, plant churches, equip the workers in the ministry, disciple people, and, and majority of the work when I'm there has been to visit outreach churches and make sure they are equipped, make sure they are being fed uh, the word, make sure the pastors are the right people to be there. And you'll see most of my Facebook post, uh, postings, I usually put maybe I was in a church that is under construction and there is no roof over it. We've seen all that like this one. It's the last church I attended before I came back to the States in April. We were having a church service. There is no roof on that. They had to put the canvas just on top to cover the people from the sunshine. And they were trusting God to get the money to cover that building with a roof. It's, it's about over 100 people who attend that church. It's called Brangasi Gospel Believers Church. And the, the old man who... who actually owned the property. He passed away, but he told his kids, they are not kids anymore, they are older men, they are in their 60s. He told them, I don't want you to do anything else with this piece of property. I want you to put their church. And that's how gospel believers ended up there. So you'll see majority of those things happening there. We can go to the next slide. Just a quick, uh, yeah. This is uh, this is actually the medical facility that this church has invested in building. This is just the painting of it. My wife has taken over that project, and she's the one responsible. Now the, the government officials had to come in and uh, ascribe what kind of colors we have to paint in there. It has to be approved according to the standards of the government for it to be operational as a medical center. So there is a process to it, but you can see it's now ready to be equipped and start functioning. So thank you for your giving. It's not in vain. You can see what is happening. Next slide, please. This is a property that somebody said, hey, I, want, I know you guys are taking care of the kids and you don't have a place to grow crops. I'm donating this as a lease. You can grow crops however long, how many years you want to use the property so that you can feed the kids. People do that out of what they have. Because he doesn't have the money, but he's willing to provide a piece of property for us to put it into use. Next slide, please. Uh, that's me. This is actually another church. It's called uh, Mwichina Gospel Believers. It's a place of rocks. I'm standing with the two gentlemen. Uh, the middle guy, he is the overseer of the area. And the tall guy, he's the treasurer of the church. That man, the Lord spoke to me one time when I went there. I told him... I didn't even know it was him. We were in a service, and the Lord moved upon me to say something. And I said, there is somebody here who has worked for government for a long number of years. You haven't been paid. Your money is being held somewhere. But the Lord is saying that money is being released. It's a lot of money. I don't know who that person is. The, the next few weeks, I get a phone call from the, the bishop of the area. She's a lady by the name of Eunice. She's like, who told you that there is somebody who had a problem? I said, it was the Lord. And she said, you can't believe this. This gentleman was having a problem. He's retired. He has never been paid for over 20 years. But the Lord just released his lump sum of money. He is ready to invest. He put the money towards the building of a church. And so God is doing things. These things are happening. Next slide, please. This is a church we were invited 
by the pastor lady. This is Kimilili Gospel. Uh, that's me standing there. We are under a tree. We were invited to go to that church. They were renting a place. And the Sunday we show up, actually on Saturday before Sunday, the landlord kicked them out. And we showed up on the spot. And she was thinking of canceling the service. We said, no, we are going to have a service. It's a church that has about 100 members. But that day, because they were kicked out of the church, some of the members were discouraged. But the rest who showed up, we decided to have a church service under the tree. And while I was walking in the midst of preaching, there was another guy who was standing and just crying. And I said, you are crying because you want this church service to come to your place. I never knew that his father, before he died, had told him, you need to bring a church in this home. And so the next few weeks, the guy also donated a piece of property for the church to be built. These things are happening. And I come to America and I'm asking God, why in America I'm not moving like that? And the Lord told me, you know, you, you, you just have to stay still because it's not you moving, it's me who is moving. And if the people are willing, it doesn't depend on the special speaker. It doesn't depend on the pastor. It doesn't depend on how wonderful our worship team is. It just depends on him moving when we allow him to move. And he's able to do that. That's, that's part of the church service. Those are the drum sets. We are having fun. You can hear the sound of the spirit through those drums. They, they are quicker to bring the presence of God than what we have, the high-tech stuff we have here. And I enjoy when they are playing them, they don't care who is listening, or they don't care. They are not ashamed. I've already told you the message is a, the message from the stupid market. So there is an, a, a reason. Uh, last year in April, I think it was in March, before I left Africa to come here. I was scheduled to fly on March the 29th, 19, uh, that was 2022. I'm trying to keep my travels in shape so that I don't confuse you. While I was ready to depart the 28th, I went to Nairobi. Bungoma is about 400 miles west of Nairobi. Nairobi is the capital city of Kenya where we have the international uh, airport that you can fly out of. So I drove, uh, actually I used a public service vehicle to go, which means we, we jump in a matatu, maybe uh, 10 people or 14 in a, a given vehicle. You drive to Nairobi, and then when you get to Nairobi, you go to the airport and fly out. Uh, I had booked my flight through Alaska Airlines. It was working together with Qatar Airlines. Uh, I get to the airport. The, the flight was supposed to be the 29th at 12.05 uh, a.m., which was jumping into the next day. If you miss it, you're done. I show up. I'm in the line. I find there is a long line. I'm waiting. And I'm like, Lord, will we ever get there to where they check us in? Because it was a long line until outside of the building. So we are walking. And when they got to me, the guy looked at my ticket and he's like, you are late. Your flight left yesterday. I'm like, what? 
I, I say, look at the ticket correctly. He does look. Yes, it's saying March the 29th. But no, the airline, because of the COVID problems and all this, the airline has been having issues with readjusting and adjusting all the tickets. Your ticket was adjusted to fly yesterday, not today. I told the gentleman, you know what? I'm, I'm 400 miles from home. I don't know how, where am I going to spend the night and all that. Uh, I'm thinking maybe because it's the fault of the airline, they're going to put me in a hotel. He didn't even offer that. He just walked away from me. He was kind of rude. Honestly, he was rude. And I started thinking, I'm sitting there, you know, I'm, I'm thinking as a Christian, what are you supposed to do in this situation? I'm thinking of Pastor Corey's preaching when somebody has offended you. I'm thinking of my father's advice with international travels and the problems that comes with it. I'm sitting and waiting at least somebody to show mercy. Nothing was forthcoming. And a thought went through my head saying, maybe he's treating you like this because you are a Christian and this is sort of connected to a Muslim nation. I sat there, prayed, nothing was breaking. And I decided to just pull the car, took my luggage, went outside the airport. I called my buddy. He's a good taxi driver. I called him and I said, you can come pick me up. I haven't been able to fly. He took me back to the airport, uh, to, the, to the motel room. I booked a motel room, but something wasn't sitting right. I canceled right there, and I told him I'm headed back to Bungoma. So that night, I took another vehicle 400 miles to head back to Bungoma. While I was heading back to Bungoma, something was stirring up in me. And then the following morning, I'm trying to reach the airline, and I'm supposed to call an 800 number. I'm calling the 800 number. Nobody's answering. If they do answer, they put you on hold. And you know, that hold can be for over an hour. And by that time, the phone call, the credit, or the minutes that are supposed to be assigned to that phone call, they are done. Then you have to buy more minutes. It's crazy. I tried even to reach my Papa Dean here. Try help me get hold of the airline. They tried. Nothing was forthcoming. And then the Lord just asked me, you know, <laughs> I felt like the question was, what are you going to do? So this was in, into my third day of not flying. And while I was on Facebook, a friend who is known to this church happened to see me on Facebook and Facebook messaged me and said, hey, how are you doing? I'm just checking on you. Is everything okay? And I said, I want to say I'm pretending I'm good. I usually tell people I'm, I'm pretending I'm good. And they go, you are pretending? Why pretend? I said, I'm pretending I'm good, but really I'm struggling. And she said, why are you struggling? Some of you know Christy Moore. She was here. She attended this church. And she happened to be in Egypt at that particular time. And when she was sending me the message, she was in Egypt. Guess what? The airline, Qatar Airlines headquarters is headquartered in Egypt. And she said, you failed to travel? And you are having a hard time reaching the airline? Let me try that number. Give me the number. She called. And she said, I'm getting through. Can I put you on a three-way call? I said, sure. So she did. 
it was easier for her because it was free of charge. She wasn't paying the, the minutes like I was. So she gets the, the agent online, and the agent was really nice. And she said, sir, did you uh, fail to fly? Was it your fault? I said, this is what happened. And you can make your judgment who, whose fault it was. I gave her the spiel, and she's like, oh, it's our fault. Can you travel today? I said, I'm 400 miles from where I'm supposed to be. Can we make it tomorrow? And she was like, oh, sure, whatever you want. Man, I said, God is answering. The faith started building. I'm like, okay, something is happening here. And, okay, long story short, she rescheduled me to fly the following day. I took a public means to go to Nairobi. That trip, the enemy has been fighting for me to come back to the U.S. during that trip. When I entered the public vehicle, the guy who was taking the money was so mean. He took my money, and we are supposed to sit 14 people in the vehicle, but he was making sure he can get 28 people of us in the vehicle. So guess what? I'm getting those uh, lap dances without asking for them. People are being squeezed in the, in the matatu. Get in, get in. It's not full yet. And I'm like, dude, this is full. And he looked at me and he said, if you wanted the comfy of traveling, you should have your own vehicle. I'm like, oh, man, that hurts. But you are right. I'm like, but I'm not going to travel this way. And he's like, you think you are the big shot, huh? Get out. He kicked me out of the vehicle. I asked him, okay, refund my money. I'll go look for another one. He said, I'm not even giving you the money. I said, man, this is a trial moment. You know, everything that used to happen to me when I was a kid ran through my head. Because such a guy, when I was growing up, he wouldn't say that to me without getting a punch in the face. And I thought about a punch. You guys are so spiritual, you don't think those things sometimes. So I thought about it. But I told him, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to punch you. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm a Christian. I have to make this trip. I'm going in the next vehicle. I'm going to tell the guy in the next vehicle to come get the money from you. If you give to him, well and good. If you don't, we'll have to figure out the next thing. So when I sent the other guy, he was also rude to the guy. And they met a good match. The money was given. Thank God. And answered prayer. Okay, I kept going. I thought, okay, it's solved. We start traveling. We come to a place called uh, Eldoret. I had to get my luggage. That's where I dropped it. I picked my luggage. And... Um, we were transferred into another vehicle that was very nice, fancy vehicle, 10-seater. I said, this is even more nice. God is answering prayer. But I didn't know it was a setup. So we keep going. At that time, when here in America, the prices of gas were going up. But over in Africa, in addition to the prices going up, there was no gas available. So every vehicle that was being driven was being driven until the gas runs out. And wherever the, the vehicle runs out of gas, that's where you stop. 
I said, I kept praying. Everybody was praying, Lord, help this vehicle that the gas will run out as soon as we get to Nairobi. 14 miles before we reached Nairobi, the gas went out. Finished. And, you know, for me, I had three bags of luggage. The other guys didn't have any luggage. It was easier for them in the middle of the night to just jump onto the next vehicle that was going by. But for me, because I have luggage, there has to be a right vehicle for that to happen. And there was no vehicle willing to take me. That's 14 miles. Remember, I'm supposed to get to Nairobi by 8 in the morning, go for COVID testing, be approved to fly. I'm missing all that because of what is happening. I get out of that vehicle. I was left in the vehicle by myself. The driver had taken off because I wanted to ask him the balance of the money so I can reach to Nairobi, but he was gone. I look at the vehicle. It was a brand new vehicle, but one of the tires was getting flat. I think the driver did that on purpose because I fell asleep. And when I woke up, everybody has taken off. I was the only one in the vehicle. The vehicle has a flat tire. I'm thinking, where am I? And it was around 2 in the morning. I see some guy from a gas station where the vehicle was parked. He comes to me, and I'm like, hey, dude, how are you? I'm good. And how are you? I'm good. I asked him, where am I? Oh, you don't know where you are? This is called Sokomjinga. That's Swahili name for that place. The transliteration of that place, the name Sokomjinga is a stupid market. <laughs> and I said, this is rightfully so. <laughs> the scripture that I had given for the message today is in um, Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 4, and also 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7. In Habakkuk 2.4, when you begin reading that scripture in Habakkuk chapter 2, it's talking about the prophet of God, Habakkuk, asking God for the word, for the nation. And he says in verses 1 to 4, he says, I'm going to stand the watch. I'm going to stand here and see what the Lord will tell me according to his vision that he has for this nation. But while I stand here, he kept on saying, I'm also ready to be corrected by him. But I don't know what he's going to say of his correction. And the Lord spoke to Habakkuk and told him, you need to write the vision. Write the vision. Make it so clear, plain, that whoever reads that vision can run with it can understand it without hesitation. We do that as leaders. We do that even our church here has a vision. The vision of this church is mounted out there, if you look at it, the vision and the mission. I know as Christians, our vision is to preach the gospel, to get people saved. If we do have people in our midst that need discipling, it's to disciple them. If we have people who are sick, it's to pray for the healing. And lately, especially for the last few weeks, I've had testimony after testimony of our people here in the valley going through a difficult time. Many people have been sick. 
Many people have been attacked. We've lost even some people out of uh, committing suicide. Others have been shot. Others, you name it, our valley has been going through this. And everybody's wondering what is happening with the Silver Valley. Everybody's crying and saying, Lord, not again, not again. But then the next morning you are hearing something. And the, the, the prophet Habakkuk finishes in chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 4. He says, but the just shall live by his faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, we do not walk by sight, we walk by faith. And I know you and I, we might have been confronted by different ones. And I want to pray and believe that when I'm speaking about the walk of faith, let me not set up anybody to attack another. Because we've had so many attacks. You can hear even some Christians when uh, the prayers are being made for a certain situation, a bad report from a doctor, uh, or maybe there is a problem in the family, and you hear somebody saying maybe they didn't have faith, or maybe you don't have enough faith, or maybe you, you don't just have faith, or your faith isn't enough or your prayers were not answered because we've, we've attacked each other. And it's so sad. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you speak to your people. I pray that you use me as your vessel. I pray that you impart the things that you want to impart in each of our lives this morning. Father, I pray that if there is any sick among us, stretch your hand and heal them. If there is anybody going through a difficult situation in our midst, Father, you are the answer. Just like Pastor Corey said, our answers are not your answers. Your answers can be what we don't want to hear. But Lord, we believe in your purposes and plans for every situation we encounter in our lives. So we pray and say, have your way in this meeting. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in the positions you've even allowed us to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray and believe. Amen. Amen. I'm not here to define what faith is because we all know in Hebrews 11.1 1, says what? Faith is the substance of things, the evidence of things. I'm not here to tell you that because you've read it over and over and you have it with you. You can walk the Bible on that. I'm not here to tell you how faith comes because in Romans 10, 17, it tells us that faith comes by and hearing. Oh, yeah, you are good students of the Bible. I'm not here to tell you all about that. We know that faith comes by the word, hearing the word. Also, there is another kind of faith that is a gift of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. It says to others, it has been given the gift of what? Faith. To believe God for miracles, for unexpected, the impossible. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's able to do that with or without you. And that's him. Hallelujah. Yeah, I was told by a southern preacher the other Sunday that for him to get going, you have to do what? 
You have to help him by saying, Woo! Preach it, brother. <laughs> I thought that was just in Kenya, also in the south. Brother, you are ready for Africa. That's one of the guys who want to go to Africa to preach. Remember some Sundays ago, Craig walks to me and says, when are, you taking back, uh, when are you taking me to Kenya to preach? I said, it's the Lord who has to take you. And he said, I'm ready. I'm ready. You know how he says, I'm ready. I'm ready. Over here, he was saying that he's one of the people pastor has been going after. But when the Lord told Pastor Craig that you have to go to preach in Africa, he said what? I'm ready. And that's what we are supposed to do. We have to be ready. There is also another way of how faith comes. Uh, you remember in Luke 17, 5, there were some of the disciples. They were trying to do something. Jesus was telling them about something to do with the end times and the difficult situations that will come. And the disciples said what to Jesus? Master, teacher, increase our faith. We can pray for the faith to be increased. In Jude 1, there is a scripture there that says, building yourself on the most holy faith. You can build your faith. I'm here to tell you the work of faith is not an event. It is not just something that happens today and everything is good. It is a day-to-day -day life. And if you are not encountering things that are challenging your life for your faith to grow, you are in a bad spot. Because we need challenging. Otherwise, we get comfy and start sleeping. And we become critical of even the very thing that the Lord is doing in our midst. I was... Uh, I was speaking a few weeks ago, I was speaking in a juvenile correction center somewhere in Idaho here. I don't want to mention it because they might be on the clip and then they might say, this guy is revealing our secret. I was there and there is a church that is involved with that ministry. We went in, the young people were there. Man, I was so moved that those young people, in the midst of the difficult situation they are facing, the wrong choices they have made, the tough restrictions that are imposed in that facility, because we have to be checked in. We have to be allowed. Otherwise, you can be stopped. They were the ones asking the guy who was leading worship to play songs that they knew are touching them, and they are changing their lives and telling him, don't play this because this is just all performance. And you can tell by the end of the service, one young man who was considered a hardcore in that facility, he was the one weeping. And he said, brother from Africa, I have a question for you. After your message, you've said the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, sound mind. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid because... My time of being in this juvenile correction is coming to an end, but I'm being transferred to the adult one. And I hear that one is even more crazy than this. What do I do? I looked at him. You know, what would you have said? That's real for him. He's afraid. 
on the outside, he looked like a tough guy. Even the, the people working there, they complained of that specific person. And they said, that one don't mess with. Don't even move closer. But he was weeping. He was crying. And he was afraid. The psychologists, the counselors, the counselors, or even the psychiatrists will tell you, sometimes when people are acting out, usually the inside there is fear. And they are trying to express it so that they can suppress it and get by. But sometimes it overwhelms them. While at the stupid market, I was thinking, Lord, I'm supposed to get to Nairobi. I'm supposed to get a COVID test. I'm supposed to fly tonight. I've missed a flight already. Thank God it wasn't my fault. It was the airline's fault. But this time, if I do, I have no explanation. Having lived in, uh, in the valley for a number of years, I've come to realize there are three kinds of people. <laughs> I know everybody's waiting for this one. <laughs> we have three kinds of people. I'm not talking about the pine creekers and the... I'm talking of the guys who have been around long enough to not be surprised by anything. That's the first category. People like Doug, he usually tells me when I tell him, did you know about this and that? And he'll be like, Michael, I've lived long enough to not be surprised by anything. Then there are those other ones who are young and they get picked on by everything. When they say something, they say, oh, just wait. You haven't lived long enough. Just wait. And then there are those like us who haven't lived long enough to not be surprised, but we are not young to be picked on. We are in the middle. So we are always curious, wanting to find out what is the next move. What is the next surprising thing? What is the next thing that God has for me that he's going to challenge me with? Okay, I've stopped here at the stupid market. What is the deal here? What does the Lord want of me? Okay, I'm praying. I've prayed all the prayers. Nothing is happening. I have to get to Nairobi. What do I do? Out of the blue, I, I pick out my phone, a small phone, and I push the button. The number that shows up is a friend of mine, the taxi driver. I give him a call, and I'm like, hey, Peter, how far are you from the stupid market? He asked me, are you at the stupid market? I said, yes. And I didn't even know I'm at the stupid market until somebody told me it's called Sokomjinga, which is stupid market. And he's like, I'm one and a half hours from that place. And I asked him, can you get to me to rescue me? And he's like, you know Nairobi. It will take me another one and a half hours to get to you, plus one and a half hours from my place. That's about three hours. So I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, that will put me at six in the morning when he gets to me. And by the time we get to Nairobi, it might be around eight. So I'm good. I say, okay, sure, go ahead and do that. <laughs> That's man figuring out things, you know. God has a different plan. 
make the long story short, the guy shows up on time. He picks me. We start heading to Nairobi, but we run into a traffic jam. Whoa. That makes it even worse. But thank God, when we got to the COVID testing place, I was the first guy. So I got checked in. They did the COVID test. Now I'm waiting because I have to have a transcript that tells me I'm positive or negative of COVID. And if you're positive, you are not allowed to travel. So I'm sitting there and thinking, man, what if, what if, um, what if, what if? It's all going through my head. This is the third guy, remember? We have three kinds of people. This is the guy who is figuring out what is the next move, who is not really afraid of surprises, but he's also looking forward to not be picked on. So I'm just thinking, okay, Lord, whatever you have to do. I know I quoted all the scriptures about faith. By faith. By faith. We walk. By faith, we live. By faith, like a mustard seed, we can speak to this mountain. And I'm speaking to the mountain of this jam in the name of Jesus. Move! Amen. I don't see it moving. It's still there. I'm like, it's supposed to move. Okay, I'll try again. In the name of Jesus, I have faith. I'm speaking to this jam. Move! Peter looks at me, he starts saying, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, dude, you don't know this stuff, man. International travels are not a joke. It's right on time. You miss it, you're in problems. And he's like, okay, I'll keep praying with you. And he's driving. And I'm sitting there. I'm relaxed. He's like, oh, today you are so quiet. The moment he tells me I'm quiet, I Start thinking of, should I pray louder so that he can hear I'm praying? In the matters of faith, when you look at the scriptures when, where Jesus was referring to any kind of faith. You know, Jesus in the scriptures, in the gospel, he mentions four levels of faith. There is a place where he's talking about he found no faith. There is no faith. There is another place he said, let it be done according to your faith. But also there are scriptures that are talking about where he rebuked people like Peter and said, all ye of little faith. But then there is another place where he speaks of, I have never seen such a great it's in the Bible, all that. So after coming to those four levels, I'm trying to think of myself, where am I? So I start praying again on that level. I'm like, Lord, if I don't have faith, help me to have faith. Increase my faith like, okay, if I'm thinking I'm one of those of little faith, Lord, increase, okay, I'm building my faith on the most holy faith. If it is that of the faith, Lord, if you can just give me the faith to believe that this is you, I'm going to do this. Or give me greater faith so that I can believe that this is going to happen. And my conversation with the Lord is like this. 
I'm in the middle of that situation and the Lord is speaking to me. But I'm not listening because I'm wrestling with him. I'm trying to figure out why am I having to go all through this. Then I ask the Lord and all the Holy Spirit, I, I'm having a conversation. Maybe you've had this conversation too. I'm like, did you know about all this? Huh? Did you know or do you even know that this was going to happen to me? And if you knew that it was going to happen to me, why didn't you tell me? Or do you really know? Or somebody else knows. And for him, he's telling me, Michael, I'll talk to you later about this. And I'm like, you'll talk to me later? Because at that moment, he's kind of like silent. He's not even saying a thing. And here I'm wrestling. I'm pulling all the strings. I'm making phone calls. The right phone calls, in fact. And nothing is moving. So my next question, after he has told me, I'll talk to you about this later, I'm like, and how am I supposed to handle this? I'm in this predicament. What do you expect me to do? These dudes are being rude to me. I feel like punching somebody. <laughs> Give me a punching bag before I hit somebody. But he's like, okay, is that what you want to do? It's so bad. The situation is so bad. But Lord, it's an urgent issue. But you don't seem to be moved by the urgency of the situation. And his answer, it's like, Michael, just keep doing what you're doing. No problem. Just, just keep going. Uh, for whatever reason, don't panic. Because Jesus was talking to different ones at different situations. When he was in a boat or a ship and there was uh, the storms and he was asleep. And the guys came to him and said, Master, you don't even care that we're perishing. You can't see these storms. And he's just taking it easy, napping. And when he woke up, he spoke to the storm and it calmed. And they were amazed. But he turned to them and said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? So he is telling us, continue doing what you are doing. Keep going on the journey. As difficult as it looks like, it's painful, yes. The report is so bad that it's a matter of death and life. But keep going. Don't panic. There was another incident when Peter wanted to walk on the water because he saw Jesus walking on the water. He told Jesus, man, that's cool. Can I do that too? And he said, what? Yeah, you can. And he said, tell me to come. And he said, okay, come. And he started doing what? Walking on the water. And the Bible says, as soon as Peter did what? Looked on the side, took his eyes off of Jesus. He started what? Sinking. And that's when he cried and said, Master, save me. And Jesus looked at him and said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You were walking. 
I know it's not possible for humans to walk on the water, but I told you come because I have the power. Why did you doubt? I know you are passing through what you are passing through. It's not unique to you, but it has come to you and it's painful. I am aware of your situation. I'm walking with you. I'll be with you till the end. Don't worry. As hard, as difficult, as painful the situation looks like, I'm with you. I'm holding your hand. And then my last question to him is like, that's what you can tell me? Because it's painful, Lord. It's tough. I needed more. I needed you to get me out of this situation. I expected maybe you will say, Michael, you've got a free ride. You're going to the U.S. No problem. You will not encounter that difficult man again. You will be good. Your COVID test is going to be negative. No problem. All these delays are just the tricks of the enemy. I expected something like that, but he didn't say it that way. And that's when he comes to me and says, now we can talk. After everything has happened, I've boarded the Qatar airline, the Alaska airline. I'm in the air, headed to Doha in Qatar, then from Doha to San Francisco. He's just there with me, listening, waiting for more questions, but I have no questions now. I'm up in the air. And he is looking, trying to smile, but I'm napping. Because I've gone to, to sleep, the flight is 14 hours. And that's when I know that in the matters of faith, it can look like a storm. Wind blowing. A bad report from the doctor. A painful loss in your life. A marriage falling apart. Kids getting killed. Innocent kids, or even a shooting that occurs in a place that innocent lives are lost. And this is you, a person of faith, and you are having to go through this. Maybe you come into the situation of being bankrupted because of something. And we've been told that the number one cause of bankruptcy in America is what? Medical bills. Maybe it's that that bankrupts you, you are going through this. I'm here to tell you, a walk of faith is a walk with him. Even in the middle of those difficult situations, he's always with you. He's holding your hand. He will see you to the other end. Are you going to trust him and walk with him? It might not be easy, but he has you covered. The turbulent is there. Rough waters are there. Painful traveling here and there. Visits. Maybe even sometimes you'll sleep angry. No food in the house. To Michael, going hungry is something I'm used to. So it might not be a big deal for me. But to some it might. But there is another thing that can be a big deal to me that to another person it's easier. They're used to. 
That's when we have to lean on him. That's when we have to walk with him. Trust him. I like the, the definition of Brother Ed when he spoke here about faith. And Pastor Corey repeated it the, that time too and said, uh, faith, it's having trust in God and in his purposes for our lives. His purpose, we don't know. But he knows. He knows. We might be given a glimpse of it. And we think we've seen the picture. Sometimes he does that for a reason. Because if he gave you a bigger picture, you might get scared and run. If the Lord had shown me that I'm going to North America the first time in 1997 and he showed me snow and ice and people getting frozen, I would have reconsidered. But he didn't show me that. <laughs> he showed me a land of the frozen chosen, Canada. Beautiful country. But there are people who are loving and they are chosen. They don't even think freezing is anything. It's something they're used to. In fact, when I was getting ready to go over there, they would write me and say, you'll have fun. We'll play in the snow. We'll take you skiing. I'm like, skiing? What is that? I remember one time, <laughs> I was at the Bible college, and the Bible college students said, we are going ice hockey. And one of them asked me, have you ever played hockey? I said, yes. I didn't know what kind of hockey he was talking about. We get to the arena, and they hand me the hockey stick, and I'm seeing something like ice. And they're like, okay, Michael, you said you played hockey. Here we go. I don't know how to skate. I don't even know the, there were arenas that existed that had ice in them. You have to heat up for people to get warm. And I had to tell them, this is not the kind of hockey I played. <laughs> I played field hockey. It's on grass, short sticks, round ball. Not this park. <laughs> and people don't punch each other. <laughs> if you punch each other, you are kicked out of the game. <laughs> but here, oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I remember another incident, a girl walking down the hallway, one of my college mates, she looks at me and she's like, Michael, do you know where Chad is? And I'm like, oh, sure, I know. And she's like, where? I said, in Africa. I thought she meant the Chad, the nation, the African country. She meant her boyfriend. She almost slapped me. And you know, I don't know how I'd have handled that, because in Africa, a lady slapping a man is considered a no-no. And that time I was just fresh from Africa. I was like, Lord, thank you for your grace. You've saved me from a lot. You know, Christy would have just slapped me, and I don't know how I would have handled it. But I'm a Christian, and your grace is sufficient for me. She didn't slap me. I'm a Christian. Thank you for language barrier, but I'm learning. I'll keep going. I'll know that Chad is a boyfriend to somebody, not just the country in Africa. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, 
I know that when you complete an assignment, it's called you are done. You are not Michael, you are done. So things like that, if God had shown me all this picture, I don't think the walk of faith would have meant anything to me. But he is walking with me every single moment. Let nobody tell you that your situation is not changing because maybe you don't have faith. Because even when you read at those scriptures where Jesus found that people had unbelief, they didn't have faith, he still did miracles. In one of the incidences, that's where some people like to stand on where it says, he found the unbelief, he was marveled because he found the unbelief and he couldn't do much. They stand on that and say, yeah, he didn't do much because they didn't have the faith. If you don't have faith, you won't go to where you are supposed to be. And so it doesn't mean that the lack of faith of the people restricted what Jesus could do, but it was just because they didn't have the faith. You know, even today, if you didn't have faith in this church and what Pastor Corey and the leadership are doing, I don't think you will be here. You are here because of that. You believe. You have the faith in the vision of this church. In the matters of faith, it's a walk with him. It's not an event that just happens like one Sunday and then we are all good. You have to be willing to take the journey. It is not so much on how much faith you have or the kind of faith you have. It is about in whom you have the faith. Because if it is God, even our country, as much as we see problems surrounding us, as much as we see trouble in the rest of the world, if God is the one we are trusting, things will be all right. I just spoke to my wife this morning. And she told me, you know, Kenya is facing a very difficult situation right now. Here, you know, we have gas prices go up, but Kenya, they doubled. The tax on gas was doubled from 8% to 16%. People are angry at the government. There are those who are going to the streets and burning tires, protesting, doing demonstrations. We have extrajudicial killings that are happening. The police shooting people left and right or even bad guys shooting others. We, we've seen that. Even on the news, maybe you have seen. Don't say I'm picking on the shootings. I'm giving you a picture of what is happening. And it has nothing with the rights or anything. It just means that our world is in turmoil. But our God is aware of this, and he is in control. Are we believing that he is? Are we ready to take the journey with him? I know it's painful. It's difficult. But Jesus had to endure to the point of death. And he came out victorious. And he said, because I've won, you are also winners in this. 
You are more than conqueror, not because of your own strength, but because of what he did for us. I would like to invite the worship team. I would like to invite each one of us to stand on our feet. We want to make some intercession. We need to pray. We need to ask the Lord to keep us in his arms. We need to ask him to continue strengthening us. Because without him, even the scripture says in uh, Luke 18, verses 8, it says, in, uh, in verses 1, he was talking about the difficult times that are going to accompany his second coming or whatever the coming it is. For me, I usually tell people this. I don't give excuses for why I don't have to do the work of God because the first time he came, he died on the cross. The second time he came, I accepted him in my life. So I have no other reasons to keep waiting and saying he will come the second time. That's not a doctrine. It's Michael's philosophy. And I live by that philosophy knowing that at the moment when he comes, let him find me ready. Because in Luke, that portion I've just quoted, Luke 18.8 says, Nevertheless, after all these things and difficulties and turmoil and problems, will the Son of Man find faith when he comes back? Because it's mentioned that some of us will run away from the faith. When things get so difficult, some will run away. Some will bail out. So will he find us bailing out on him or we will stick with him to the end? When the pain is so tough, so painful, are you going to stick with him? Or you are going to choose the shortcut, the way out? 